How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Pretty it's, good. It's very early. <laughs> it's early. <laughs> oh, it's, it's even it's a little bit early for me. It's been a long time since we said it's early. Has it? Hmm. It's been well. It's been a while since it's been this early. We're uh, we're recording um, early. Yeah, it's earlier than earlier than normal. It's early for you. I thought that you were uh, early to bed, early to rise. Uh, make your man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Uh, yes, that is a, a salient question. I rise. I rise. <laughs> Who is that? Is that Maya Angelou that rises? Uh, Maya Angelou certainly certainly rose. But that's and that's yeah, who am I thinking of? Yeah, I think it's uh, my, it might Bette be Midler. could be uh, my 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 Angelou. Is that her name? Who am I thinking Maya, of? Gwend- Gwendolyn Maya Brooks. Angelou. Gwendolyn Brooks is uh, the the one that jazzes June, right? We real cool. Right. Whereas uh, Albert Brooks is the one that uh, <laughs> uh, lost all his his uh, his nest egg. Al- Albert Brooks. Albert Bro- Brooks lost all his nest egg. He yeah. lost his nest egg, and that's uh, that's uh, Uncle Uncle Bob's brother. Uncle Bob's brother mm-hmm. Albert. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uncle Bob Einstein's brother mm-hmm. Albert Einstein. Auntie Jen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> open the door and let him in. Okay. I'm canceling uh, the show. Canceling, canceling the show. I did not know that. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. There's a couple things I know about the uh, TV show, The Simpsons. One is whenever Homer puts on reading glasses, he's about okay. to do something very stupid that's oh. funny. Okay. And the other thing I know is that any episode that has the great Albert Brooks will be a very good episode. When Homer puts on the reading glasses, is it the type of thing that you recognize uh, so much so that you like lean forward in your chair, like, oh, oh boy, yeah. here we go. Or is it always retroactive? Like, oh, that was funny. And guess what? He put his reading yep, glasses Yep, 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 yep. Well, it's something where like my, my daughter knows it, you know, she's a, she's an aficionado. And, uh, you know, if, if my daughter and I drank while we watched the Simpsons, which we currently don't, it would be like a drinking game. It's like, oh no, oh no. Do, 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 do. But he, uh, does uh, he do it every episode? Does he put mm-hmm. on his glasses? No, I mean it's not like it's not like Fibber McGee and Molly, or uh, it's not right. like what it's not like Rob Petrie falling over the uh, ottoman, which happens every episode. Ask in that opening, and then remember they, they there's no spoilers, but then then they, they they take it and they turn it, and I think in later seasons, he goes whoop, and he kind of goes no 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 not not today, not today. Uh, tell me this. Like, I have a yes. friend who mm-hmm. has a podcast about The Simpsons it's called The Simpsons Podcast or something. Okay. I have those friends that have a podcast about Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know that this is a popular style of podcast to pick mm-hmm. a thing that somebody or a group of people made and then do a show where you talk about it. Sure. There's the West Wing one. I know both those guys. Okay. Uh, one of them was on the West Wing. Ooh. If you were going to do a podcast where the whole premise was that someone else had made a thing and now you were going to talk about it, what would that be? That's such a good question. Mm -hmm. And it's a good question because it's a difficult question. Mm -hmm. Because you know the kind of stuff that I'm going to pull out. You you know, I mean, if I I have my druthers and I just want to talk about a thing that I really like – it would be something like a Monty Python or a oh, Mr. Yes. Show. Or Why is there no Mr. Show podcast? Well, here's the, I don't know. I don't know. And here's we, the here's we're the half, we're halfway there. We quote them almost every episode. We give so much oh. free publicity through bits. Mm. Who do mm. we give publicity to? We mm. give publicity. Oh, REM. Uh, you know, REM gets gets lots lots. I'm going to say, uh, you know, uh, some of the the films of Francis Ford Coppola get a lot of in shout outs. We, we shout out to the Beatles all the time. I think we we're responsible it's, for it's, a certain. It's on it's on my notional list. One percent of the of the, oh a Beatles podcast. There's got to be those. Yes, yes, but, but yes, yes, yes. Okay, so 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 uh, the stuff where I would go like, here's my problem. My problem is like you know uh, my critical faculties melt down mm. a little bit. I go and then I turn into that uh, that Chris Farley character. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right, right. But like, you and I could argue about the Beatles all day. We used to do it's it. On the, it's on the list. What about Wilberforce? Could you just do a whole podcast on just, him? Just about Marble's Wilberforce? I yeah. don't, I don't see, but no, okay, so here, here, here's the third. Mm. All right. Shick. Mm. You could do that. That'd be a bit. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know what's funny? He's just wandering from town to I'm town. I'm going to answer your question. I'm also <laughs> going to send you a picture of what I look like right now. Um, Do you look like Wilberforce? Please well, say you're, yes. you're, you're going to laugh. You're going to get a giggle out of this. Uh, I'll send it in a second. Yeah, so here's, here's my thought on this is that my problem is I would send. No, mm. click. Mm. No, mm. I'm doing too many things this early. Um, my problem is I'm going to turn into that Chris Farley character from Saturday Night Live. Or I'm just going to be like, oh, you know, uh, remember when uh, they did that uh, one thing where uh, they did the parody of Jesus Christ Superstar? Like, wasn't that funny? Like, I'm going to be doing stuff like that, but it's not going to be uh, probative. I just got your I just got your picture. Tell me what you think of my look. Boy, uh, you're a little bit Florida, man. <laughs> I think I look like I just got thrown out of the Eagles. <laughs> you're a little bit uh, Uncle Randy. You're a little Uncle bit... Uncle Randy, like a bad touch on Uncle Licky? <laughs> no. Don't look like Uncle Licky? <laughs> I mean, you're a little bit like living in your van down by the river. <laughs> I, I I have to say, like, out of context, right? If I was just... You if see I was the just, children in the background? <laughs> I do. If I was in America, right, somewhere in America... I w- if I was lost in America, let's say. Oh, wow. Everything's connected. Mm-hmm. And I came upon just somewhere uh, in a uh, in a non-coastal area, mm-hmm. anywhere from Eastern California all the way to Western New York. And I encountered you wearing that jacket. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a Dickies jacket that has a Narragansett yeah. beer patch and a Wilberforce butt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would, I definitely would not be like... Would you ask uh, me for directions, for example? For sure. I, you seem like the type <laughs> of guy that would know directions. You seem like the type of guy that would know the nearest place to get a bite to eat. Uh-huh. But you also, I mean, I bet mm. you're you're handy with a wrench. Would, would you get in my van to help me find my puppy? No, I don't think so. No? I don't think so. Come on, no, I got, I got I gummy bears. Come on. I think the fact that you even asked me to get in your van to help you find your puppy would be reason enough to call. Well, the I would do it, I, and I and I've coached my daughter on on this this method. The method is you come in, you're all jacked up, you're all jacked up, and if you really want to get somebody in your van, you're jacked up, and you say like, oh my god, oh my god, uh, oh god. your dad oh said your dad said to come help me find a puppy, get in the van. It- Get in the van quick. Because that's the thing that you know this. I mean, you've trained for this your whole life. You know that it's that moment of duress, <laughs> you know, where you get a little bit confused. <laughs> your, mom, your mom, your mom, your mom called. She said, Yeah, I'm the person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, said, she said it's okay. And I got gummy bears. You know what I'm no. saying? So, so, so what happened was, I don't know how long it's been. It might be a year since I've had a haircut. Um, it's close to a year. And then sometimes, you know, I don't shave for a little while. And this was the day of the uh, annual school carnival where we attend and volunteer and stuff like that. And, and I'll tell you a funny thing. My, my, I want to come back to your, to your uh, show idea in a minute. Um, I put a fork in that. My lady friend says to me uh, the, the other day, she says, you know what? You should grow a mustache again. Yes, and I said, yes. I said, the devil you say. I can't really grow a mustache. <laughs> oh, your mustache is great. And the fact that it's, it, that it's a little gray, a little blonde, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the thing that adds. And you see what you, what you know, Marilyn, and this is something you know that a lot of people don't. Yes. Mustache does not end at the end of your mouth. That's a, that's a rookie going. error. That's the, that's the difference between a porn star and a pirate, if you ask me. Yeah, you're not the Dread Pirate Roberts nope. here. You are. You have a bigger stash. It's got to go out. It's got to go out further than the I ends think, of your you mouth. You know what I figured, John? I, I was in there, and I had trimmed... And, and I prepared the way, and I and I said to myself, you know what? It's all it's all you know. It's fun. You know, it's a fun thing to do. It's a fun thing when you're shaving off. You know, when when you're shaving off a lot of stuff, you can have some fun with that, and you can I leave mean, you can leave some parts and not others. You can make yourself into an Airsats Backstreet Boy. You, you could do a John Waters at the end. Wait, wait a minute, your button. I'm zooming in now. Your sure. button actually says shik. <laughs> it snicked. It's the sound of the claws coming out of Wilberforce. Oh, yeah, snick. This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Keeps. You can learn more about Keeps right now by visiting keeps.com slash supertrain. Hey, listen, losing hair sucks, and uh, two out of three guys will experience hair loss by the time they're 35. Well, introducing Keeps, the easiest and most affordable way to keep the hair you have. These FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes now and starting at just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. 
Getting started with Keeps is so easy. Uh, signing up takes less than five minutes, and you just answer a few questions and snap some photos of your hair. That's pretty easy. A licensed physician will review your information online and recommend the right treatment for you. Then it's shipped right to your door every three months. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you uh, have probably tried them before, but you've probably never gotten them for this price. Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Plus, now you can get your first month free. That's one heck of a deal. Forgetting to keep your hair. To receive your first month of treatment for free, you go to keeps.com slash supertrain. That's keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash supertrain. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash supertrain. Keeps. Hair today, hair tomorrow. Our thanks to Keeps for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. It's led, I, I was making a joke earlier, and then you produce immediately a photograph, and we're talking about the mustache, and you don't even refer to the fact that you are wearing a button that says, Shricked. You think that might be a misprint? I don't. I think that I... I think that I'm pretty close to knowing you after mm, all these years. I think years. you might have known me. So well, I know, I know. And my, my daughter likes to go early when you go to the carnival because you get chances at better prizes earlier. She's an early girl. She's an early girl for the carnival. And, uh, and so, and so we went early, but, but so, so I had gone and taken the shower. I'd done the trim. I'd done the prep. I'd done the setup. I, I kick it didn't up. put product in your hair. I did, I did, I did, I did condition. Yeah, that's yeah. not, that's not enough. I mean, it makes your hair silky and smooth, but you got to put a little bit of something schmutz to control the, mm. to control the, like uh, you, you want a little bit more. What am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking shape. for? Shape. Body shape. Yeah. Mm. Something. Because you got the one side and then you got the other side. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's going on over here, right? Like if you cut this picture right in half, yeah. you got one side. Put your hand down the middle yep, of this yep, picture. Yep, yep. No. Look at one side and then look at the other side. Two <laughs> completely different guys. <laughs> it lacks a certain symmetry. <laughs> one guy is looking one way. The I other haven't even gotten a trim. If you'll pardon my <laughs> saying, I am trimless. This is an in-situ let the hair grow. Let it grow. Let it grow. Just to see what happens one more time in my life. You know, one last time, I figure maybe I'll just have the long hair one last time. One last time, though? Really? Well, I don't, who knows? You know, uh, you know, sand through the hourglass. The last time I cut my hair, I was like, well, that's it. One last time. Mm -hmm. That was it. It's over now. I'm not going back. Oh. Because I had it growed. Mm-hmm. for a long time and it never once looked good so i'm not so make a note of it wow see but you can cut your hair you have executive function for your hair yeah, but i'm not sure if i'm ever going to really mm-hmm. really be done okay I, I have some photos of you circa oh, i don't know why this happened but i think was it simpson and scott simpson and i went on luke burbank's show and you were there is what did that happen uh, Mike we, Burbank, isn't that his name? Didn't we go on like a local radio show? When we yeah, went, yeah, yeah. Mike Burbank. No, it's Luke, Luke Burbank. Luke Burbank. Luke Burbank, who does a show. Like, who has he been on to, like forever since Christ was a Corporal? That's right. And and here and remember, remember when mm-hmm. we went on Luke Burbank's uh, show and we said the takeaway was he does a show every day. <sighs> How does he do it? I don't know how you do it. Well, but look at us now. Look, well, how, how many shows do you? I'm do? in a children's carnival, looking like I have a van. But yeah. but and I have photos of you. I have photos of you from around that time. Very long, very tremendous. Tremendous. I may use that for show art because this ain't going up. But, but no, you know, it, that it was, was also the tooth. Scott, it was the tooth times. It was the tooth? That's right. But yeah. that was back when Scott Simpson looked like um, looked like he was working for NASA in the '60s. <laughs> Right, he, he looked like those... the nicest guy on the lacrosse team. <laughs> yeah, he, he wore the he wore the, yeah the guy that the guy on the lacrosse team that couldn't take a hit that ended up being the manager. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one guy they rule out after there's a party. It's like it wasn't him. <laughs> but he would he would show up. He was one of the Gingham brothers. Oh, he was a Gingham boy, and he he wears he wear he'd wear a V neck sweater. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. it was a long time ago. I looked like somebody that was living under their van. And Scott looked like, <laughs> you look like you were living under someone else's. Face. Yeah, Scott looked like a guy that sat in a sat in a chair while while other people played flag football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now, you know, and so I, I mean, came that, out and I did the trim. I did the trim and I came out 
and I have my clothes on for the day and I come out and you know what I said to my family? I said, ta-da. And mm. um, the results were very split in mm. the household on the new look. Uh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, again, uncannily, like surprisingly, my lady friend is like, I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, tell me more. And then the other lady in the house was like, get back in there and yeah. disappear your face hair. That is bad. You're not going to school like that. Oh, well, do you think that there's a portion? Do you think that she's change averse? I know I was. I remember one time my mom got a haircut. I remember very specifically remember bawling and saying something like, you don't look like my mom anymore. The oh, kind of no. thing a kid says. Oh, you don't look like my mom. Did your mom mostly keep the same look? She seems so, how does one say? <laughs> she seems like she, well, of course she has focus. Mm. She's got eye of the mm. tiger, like mm -hmm. oof. But mm. did, she, did she change her look over time? Did that ever happen to you? Did you ever say you don't look like my mom? Uh, I think what happened, hmm, all through the 70s, she kind of kept, not a beehive, but a, she, she would get her hair done, as they used oh, to say. Oh yeah, she would get her hair done. She never had a perm. Um, she always had a kind of uh, yeah. Her hair was, you know, in the sixties they spent a lot of time thinking about their hair, and then in the seventies gradually, I think a lot of the women that worked with her had uh, their hair parted in the middle and straight, like ironed straight. Mm -hmm. um, Talking about she, like kind of like a Dorothy Hamill ish, like like no, a straight with no, a no, floop? no, long long hair straight. Oh, like, like a, hip, hippie hair, hippie hair. Okay, which I think was very you know share hair, mm, share po hair, mm -hmm. popular in the seventies. Um, but mom always kept her hair up and not long. It didn't ever like go down and curl. It was always. I mean, it's not like uh, it's not like secretary wedge or anything. It was it was a hairdo, right. And then in the 80s, I think she got her hair got a little bit more professional because she was more professional. What it really was was that she 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 started wearing was she, suits. she managing at that point? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once she got into management, she started wearing suits. And then the suits got more and more suity. Mm, more like a Geraldine Ferraro kind of look. Yeah. It was very it was very like, whoa, it's power power suits now. Mm -hmm. And um yeah, my mom had those. She had a lot of like, you know, I would say almost like in the 80s, almost like a postmodern uh, female leisure suit, like a two piece. You got a jacket, you got a pant, and then you have a blouse and a little bit of jewelry. And blouse. that was that, a blouse. And that was a professional look. Right. Although I don't, I think my mom was a skirt and blazer or not, you know, like matching. But That's a, that's but a smart look. I don't think it was, I don't think she would wear pants to the office. You know, she's a member of a certain generation. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's but true. She, she had that little tie, you know, the 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 necktie, and uh, yeah, she went in and you know kicking ass and taking names. But she has she maintained pretty consistent until just recently. She continued to dye her hair until recent memory. I'm talking about the last within the last four she years. She had kind of a, a, a lovely ginger wedge. Yeah, but mm -hmm. uh, she, and she used to say, "I have to dye my hair because my hair is an unattractive color. My gray is an unattractive color of gray." I've heard this. I've heard this. And from I people. would, yeah, and I would sit and nod as I so often do. It's one of the things that I learned very early on: just sit and nod. Mm -hmm. And then I would, <laughs> you know, listen to the how her gray was an unattractive gray, and then I would just say, "What is an unattractive gray?" And then I would listen, <clears throat> listen to what an unattractive gray was, as opposed to an attractive gray, because to my uh, to my point, uh, all gray is the same. Mm -hmm. There is no, and I think what she what she was saying is the gray was in contrast to other colors in her hair. Anyway, she was very convinced of this, and and eventually, not very long ago, I said, listen. I think, <clears throat> why not give it a try? Why not just let it all just go gray? Mm -hmm. uh, you're 80. Yeah. One. Mm -hmm. Like it seems appropriate. And she did. And it is striking and beautiful. I, and I love that look. Yeah, it's wonderful. And then she realized, oh, my, I'm not an unattractive co color of gray. My gray is amazing. Oh, that's so nice to hear. 
it's nice, but the problem is I never get credit for these things, right? I mean, the entire time I was like, hmm, and then, you know, I'm proved correct again and again and again as regards my mother and her uh, her worldview, mm-hmm. and yet I it is never recorded in the giant ledger. What's the, what they're going to remember is all the times you would just sit and nod. Well, sure, but I mean, the whole time I was nodding, I was not agreeing, right? Mm-hmm. I was nodding. Oh. But I was not agreeing. I was just, I was just nodding, not in agreement. Interesting. But in, in acknowledgement of what she was saying, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this is the same nod that I give when she, when she would come downstairs and say, I think I'm going to subdivide my house into four apartments <laughs> by building a wall. Here next to the stairs. And I would go, mm-hmm. Mm. And then I would listen, and then I would say, well, <clears throat> have, do you have a desire to be a property manager? You know, I do a redirect, right? Oh, I don't right. go, uh, this is a beautiful You're not talking about home. the idea. You're, you're, you're considering the implications. Right, because every friend I've ever had, at one point or another, as they realize, I'm sorry, not every friend I've ever had. You've never done this to me. Every homeowner friend? No, a lot of my friends when I was in my 20s were working as baristas or waiters or sommeliers or some other kind of service job as a way to continue to be a musician or an actor or an artist, Mm -hmm. you know, like a visual artist. Yeah. And then along the way somewhere, they felt like they weren't going to – They felt like they weren't going to make it as an artist and that their career was actually waiter or barista or sommelier or what have you. Mm -hmm. And it was always a, it was always a little bit, it was a transition that happened in their thirties where they were like, I'm a great waiter. Uh, and I wait in very expensive restaurants now and, uh, and I act in stuff when it comes up. And that's a big transition from in our 20s, because in my 20s, I mm-hmm. worked as a, the shop, right? You're working over here so that you continue to work over there. Right. In some yeah. ways, right? It's But like that, you're talking about it, what can be a very, very long and personally contentious acceptance. Well, it was, and it was, and I, by the grace of God, mm-hmm. right? I got that, I got asked to join Harvey Danger. By Sean, and then I made that first long winner's record, and then I went out on tour and got a hundred dollars a night for two years, and I was and 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 my mom let me live at her house, mm-hmm. so like I had a lot of advantages that not everybody has, but also I have to say, it was a blow to my dignity to live at my mom's house, mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends had a lot more dignity than me. <laughs> they sort of lived at their mom's houses, but they wouldn't. And, you know, that's a big part of how I did it. The big part of how I transitioned from not from working in a shop to not working in a shop is that I swallowed my pride Mm -hmm. and and, you know, took the parental charity for a couple of years before I was, you know, during that period where I was making a hundred dollars a show. Yeah. And 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 paying four dudes anyway, during that period where they started to say. I'm more of a waiter than I am a musician. They always would come to me and say, I'm going to open my own place. And I've got a plan. Hmm. And here's the plan. I'm going to better, better, but I'm going to do this. And it's going to be a place like this. Like, and, a, you know, like, a, like a club? Uh, a restaurant, usually, you know, some place like a uh, like it's always a cafe. <laughs> all this, all this riskiness of the music industry makes me really want to go into something safe, like <clears throat> opening my own restaurant. Well, and I would say to them, and uh, uh, this was the point. I would say I would not, I would not do that. You're, I would not, look, you're not, you're not looking at what they're saying. You're looking at the implications. And I would say, do you like working in restaurants? Mm-hmm. And they would go, mm, no, not at all. And I would say. So you are thinking of opening your own restaurant where basically you would be working in a restaurant 80 hours a week instead of 26 hours a week. Yeah. And they would go, well, yeah. And I would say, think about that. Your entire life now would would be working in this restaurant that you owned. and the And the only advantage would be that you own it. 
but you're st- it's just restaurant work. Yeah. Except with all God, the stress. So many with yeah, so so many stresses, stressors and like so many new like shitty responsibilities over which you have virtually no control. You know, that, that, that's uh, to me, there's so many things to what you're saying here, which is like, <clears throat> first of all, it's very costly to start a restaurant. I mean, and of course, the, you know, the famous, <clears throat> there's all the rules of thumb about how many restaurants go out of business in six months, et cetera, et cetera. But like, you're not, you know, you're like, like, would you take any other, not to hijack your story, but like, would you take any other job just managing a thing? Like, would you manage a plumbing supply store as like the way to do that? Like, no, because like, as much as you, so like you like food, you like cooking, you like, you know, maybe even hospitality as an industry, nominally, like that's all your money on the line or somebody else's money you're going to owe. And then on top of it, now you're, now you're Mr. Manager. Now you're Mr. Manager. And now, I mean, I have a friend that's a manager that, uh, of a place. <clears throat> and he says that every day now, and this is different from when we were, uh, when we were younger. Mm-hmm. He said every day now he has to manage some employee who is crying Mm. and crying because of something that happened in uh, the the job, Uh, like a normal part of the job. Like somebody came in and said something Mm -hmm. like as they were saying, can I have some ice cream? They said, "Um, miss, can I have some ice cream? And the person behind the counter is not a miss and didn't want to be described Mm -hmm. as a miss. And, and, uh, and so the, this manager friend of mine spends an an inordinate amount of time, not managing the store at all, but managing people's feelings. And, you know, when I was working in shops, no one managed my feelings or gave a good goddamn about my feelings at all. And so their management job was already hard, really hard, just making sure there was milk, you know, like, Oh, we're out of milk. Oh fuck! That was your job. I would feel that way. I would feel feel that way a little bit more in an office environment, where, of course, as a white guy, I would feel like a certain sense of like entitlement about something of like, why did they get this thing and I didn't? Mm. I feel like my man, my my emotions got managed that way. But not not so. But I mean, no, just to say, not so much at McDonald's, because there's always another guy that'll come in and work for three thirty five an hour. Oh, you ain't kidding, sister. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although in Seattle. Oh, here's the thing. The restaurants are politically progressive restaurants. And you have a 15, $15 an hour minimum wage, right? We do. and But there are restaurants now that are committed to po- political progressivism, and there weren't really those when I was working. <laughs> you think? <right>? There were, <laughs> it was more like a, a hotbed of the worst possible imp- impulses at every level. Well, yeah, and I mean, I worked in restaurants that were owned by gay people, that were owned by people of color, but they were not uh, politically progressive. They were well, also like the, the ex- staff of the kitchen. Of <laughs> staff of the kitchen ain't no queer eye. Like that's no. some of the cr- scariest, meanest people you'll meet in your life as a prep cook. Do you know how mean a prep cook cook can be? Oh, I do. Oh my I god, it's so hot. They're so mean. They have knives. Most of them have done time, and they're all they're all very very angry. And a lot of times in my day, a little bit hopped up. Hopped up, angry. Um, I remember working in a. I remember working in an Irish bar when Kurt Cobain killed himself. Mm -hmm. And I went to. Oh no, I was working in a. I was working in a stock brokerage when he killed himself. But when I got fired from the stock brokerage, I went and got a job in this Irish bar. Mm -hmm. And uh, the cook at one point waved his spatula at me and said, "Kurt Cobain killed himself because he thought it would be cool." Mm. And he was in the midst of a rant about. I don't know, Rush or something. And he mm-hmm. was throwing grease all over the place. Rush wouldn't do that. Disparaging the memory of Kurt Cobain. And at the time, there was a real like front of house, back of house problem. Oh, oh, my friend, uh, my friend uh, that works in this rest, this place that's politically progressive told me the other day, you can't say front of house, back of house anymore. Is that, is that normative to, to body types? No, or No, it harkens back to slavery. Oh, you're kidding! Apparently, according to I see, you don't want to be you could you don't uh, you don't want to be a field person versus a house person. That's right. If you're in the back of the house, say for instance in the kitchen, as opposed Whoa. to the front of the house where you're. I you thought know, it was about butts, but but you're wow. talking about slaves. Well, I think it's you know I think this falls into the category of a theory, a theory of language rather than like actually where that comes from. Front of house seems to be the people that work in the front of the of the 
the building or the restaurant. Do they have really. Do they have a acceptably progressive way to contrast the people who work in the kitchen versus the people who work where the tables are? This is a good question. I'm and not going to fall into this trap, John. One I cannot I don't want answer. You get, I don't want you to get an email about this. I, do, I had no idea how unwoke I was. I'm dead asleep. The Woo. problem, you know, the thing is that you for, you get you you get a toehold on woke. You get up there. You feel like you got all the way oh. up on there, and you realize it's just the first step. It's inception. Of a long, long You're stairs. like a dream in a dream in a dream. You're not woke, buddy. Not at Spin all. Your you token, can never. Be, you can't be. But I so I so I interrogate my friend. Uh, up to a point, and then I have to realize I don't work in restaurants anymore. Um, and some, and all oh, your information's God, old. By the grace of God, yeah. or my my personal experience is old. I and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for those years that I uh, that I that I did. That was uh, my and, Israeli army. That was your Israeli army. Oh except, my God! Oh, yes. and there were you know there were uh, it was a uh, it was like a uh, there were a lot of boys there were a lot of girls there were a lot of other uh, people that don't fall into you those two categories. Get, you need to just get along. You got to get along because nobody cares. You mm. have to be there because you want money. But mm. boy, are you going to ever have to mitigate how important you think your personality is today? Because boy, are there people with bigger personalities and more power than you. I said uh, at one point, uh, I mean, one of the turning points for me was my boss came in uh, one day and he said, your job isn't that hard. Either do it right or you're fired. Yeah. And I was like, huh? Yeah. My job seems really hard. And he was like, it's not. You're working at a magazine store. There are 15 things you have to do. Do all 15 of them. Wow. Not you know, Right now you're doing 13 of them every day. And the two that you're not doing changes from day to day. Which indicates to me you're capable of doing all 15. You just oh, are. Oh, now, now you've become, without realizing it, you've become a wild card. And managers yeah. do not like a wild card. No. Manager came in and he would say, why isn't the Wall Street Journal out on the stand? And I would go, oh, it's right here. I just was about to get to it. And he's like, no, no, no. When it comes in, it goes immediately out because oh. we sell them to people and they come and they want to. And if they don't see it, maybe they keep going. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, and then the next day he would say, why are the cigarettes? Why, why are we out of Winston's? Mm -hmm. And I would say, oh, they're right here. I just I didn't unwrap them yet. And he's like, no, 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 no. You do all 15 things. And okay. not not twelve, and it seems like he said it seems like what it what you do is you get to twelve things, and you feel like it's time for a break, or you know, like your job here is done or something. It's is done enough. And he said uh, he said either do all fifteen things consistently every single day, or I will fire you. And I was wow. like so mad. I went home and I was like, fine, fucking fire me. I don't care. I don't need your fucking job. Mr. Man, mm -hmm. Mr. Magazine Store Manager, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. proxy for the uh, for the industrial capitalist state. <sighs> and I sat there and I was chewing on my knuckles and I was like, tomorrow I'm not even gonna go in. Tomorrow I'm gonna I'm gonna walk past and I'm gonna I'm gonna flip him the the, well, the let him unwrap his own instance. Yeah, See I'm, gonna, I'm gonna flip him the reverse peace sign FUs. Ooh, you're going British. Yeah, and then I'm gonna go, you know, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a a, a, a coffee at the at the coffee shop next door, and I'm going to sit there with my feet up on a chair. And then in the middle of the night, I said, wait a minute. I like this job. Yeah. And it's only – I only have to do 15 things. And then I can spend the rest of the day standing there uh, snarking at people when they come in to buy Winston's on the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> which, <laughs> That's which such is... a terrible moment. I've had that moment so many times. <laughs> right? where you're like, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. And usually it can often involve stuff like – like a, a terrible uh, mixture of uh, dignity and money where you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, a little bit not to go all Seinfeld. It's a little bit like when George quits and then like comes back to the meeting and acts like he never quit. Like where you're like, oh, no, this I, I'm working in your case. Like, I'm working at a newsstand. This could be so much work. Oh, I have 15 things to do at a newsstand. Yeah. This could be so much worse. Yes, it could. It could and so and did, you, did you swallow your dignity and, and go back in? So I went in and I was like, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to pull this off. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I'm, I'm willing to give this a try. And uh, so I tried to do all 15 things. And I have to say it was against my uh, – it was against my feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, because 
I didn't feel like I felt like 12. I, I, I had to confront the fact that I felt like 12 things was was good enough and that they should make some allowances. Yeah. Because uh, I had a lot of stuff to think about. Mm-hmm. And um, but I went in and I tried to do all 15 things and I and I was able to. And I did it. I did it one day, and then I did it the next. And whenever I thought, uh, whenever I thought, ah, whew, I've done like twelve things. I put out the Manchester Guardian. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I, I, I've been doing this cash register all morning, and that's you know a lot. Mm-hmm. And I put all, I put all the uh, the Time magazines and stuff. Um, I guess I should just do the last two things. <clears throat> and I did them and I did them every day. And when I thought me, I would say to myself, I'm going to get fired if I don't. And that was enough of a motivation because I realized I liked the job. And then pretty soon I was good at the job. And then like five months later, he said, you're doing great. And I was like, nobody ever said that to me before. Wow. Like literally no one ever said you're doing great to me. You didn't get anything. No, no, no attaboy. In anything I'd ever done, nobody said that. And really? he was like, he said, you're doing great. And then a couple of weeks went by and he said, uh, I need somebody to do the books. How do you feel about that? And I was like, I never did the books on a thing. And he said, yeah, I think you've got, I think you've got what it takes. Mm-hmm. And he trained me to do all the deposits and keep all the books. And I'd never been happier. Sat hmm. in the back after my shift and, and. Did all the accounting? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was, I was, I was in heaven. Hmm. I did all the accounting, and now I was like, I was like a big cheese. Yeah, and I did that for about a year, and then I went in one time and I said, I want to raise, and he said no, hmm. and I was like, okay, fine, and I didn't even choke on my dignity then. Mm-hmm. He was like, I can't give you a raise because it's because I can't. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right. Okay. Well, anyway, good talk. Oh, that's it's it I mean, how do you describe that feeling? I mean, think about um let's say you really uh you really like raisinets and, and you go into um the drugstore and you get some raisinets. I don't know what they cost. I'm gonna say it's a dollar twenty five for a box of raisinets. You go in and let's you get call it that. To, let's call it let's call it that. You go in and you say, court. I'm gonna get these raisinets, they're a dollar twenty five. And then and then uh you go in one time and they say, Well, um, these raisinets are like uh, two twenty five now, and you say, "Oh, okay, see ya." Uh huh. Because you right. like raisinets, but you don't two dollars and twenty five cents like raisinets. Now, is that is that a huge amount of money? No, it's not. But if everything in your life went up that much without an, a consequent increase in value, you'd have to go, "No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that." And in that case, in a job like that, and this is, I think, this is the part that you realize in the middle of the night that's hard to accept, is that my job is maybe very valuable at mm. the wage that I'm making, but at the wage that I want, what I want what may, I want. may make people want to replace me with somebody else who will work yes. for less. They will that's find true. cheaper raisinets. This is true, and this is why people keep wanting to open their own cafes because they realize yes. they've reached a certain ceiling in waiting. <laughs> it's time like, to really cash in in that well, lucrative food service business. Yeah, right, because no matter how good a waiter you are and no matter how nice the restaurant, at a certain point it tops out because you can't serve that many people in a night. It's, right? And it's again, we're back to the tile puzzle. We're back to the engineering problem. Like, let's say you're going to have the super freshest ingredients. If you have the super freshest ingredients, you can't have a giant menu. You know no, what I'm saying? Like, there's all of right. these, all of these trade offs. If you have this amount of square footage, like available, you don't have all of the options. There's if you're going to, if you're going to charge $600 for dinner, yep. the people are going to expect that you are only waiting on four tables. Yes. You, you can't have 15 tables. And like bringing people their uh, their fettuccine Alfredo right. and still charge them six hundred dollars for dinner and wine. Yeah, and so it just it peaks, it tops out, and they think, oh, I'm going to open my own place. Well, all they have to do is look at their own boss to know that's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you say I'm not going to? I I I'm too tired. I'm too tired. Too tired. What do you do when you say too tired? Yeah, you're talking about with restaurants or in life. I mean, in life a little yes. bit. What do you do when you're like, ah, I'm too tired to keep going to auditions. I'm too tired I'm too to keep t- booking shows for my yes. band. 
It's, and I just you know what? Go you got to you got to start looking at the implications. Is one of the things is like you got to go like okay, well, I either need to situate myself so that I can be tired at scale, mm-hmm. or I'm going to need to find a way to be less tired, or I'm going to have to find. I don't I don't know what the answers are, but there's uh-huh. not that many answers. Do you wonder why? Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, in general. Oh, just just so, so it's an affliction. I wonder why. Well, so I was thinking the other I, day. I, it's it's bad, John. It's so bad because certainly, like anyone today, I, I wonder why about yes. you know big things. But it's it's the li- there's been a pickup truck, uh, uh, a white pickup truck, like so many people in our neighborhood have parked near our house with about fourteen, uh, like what would it be like a one by six, like like big big boards in it, and it's been parked there for nine days. I've counted, and I wonder why that truck <laughs> has been parked there for nine days. Do a- yeah. ask me if I want to wonder why. Why you want to wonder why? Why, why, why? You know, why, why she ran away? I don't want to wonder about the truck and the boards. Well, I don't so want to wonder was... about that. But every time I get home, I, you know what I do? I look out the window, I go like this. I go, hey. You wonder. No, yeah. I do this. Hmm. I go, I go, hey. Ah, uh-huh. Still there. We're up to 10 now. 10, ten days for boards. I don't want to be, I, John, I want, do you wonder why? Well, so <clears throat> my thinking is, well, of course I wonder yeah, why. I, know, I, you know I, think, I feel like you wonder. I feel like in I the do. dreaming hours, you, you sometimes are wondering why. Well, I wonder why all the time. My entire thing is wondering why. And I realized that that puts us in the decided minority of people in the world because I don't think most people wonder why. Is it making us happier? It is not. No. And there are people listening to this show that wonder why. Mm -hmm. And I think there are probably a lot of people listening to the show that don't wonder why Mm -hmm. because – just just the odds are that people don't wonder why. I think there are more people that don't wonder why than that do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that some people wonder why, mm-hmm. because you got to have a certain amount of wondering why. Yeah. But what I can't understand and have never been able to understand is how you don't wonder why. Mm-hmm. Now, that's just like, I mean, if I, was, if I could run a 100-yard dash, I think I would probably wonder what it was like to not be able to uh, run a hundred yard dash unless I was somebody who didn't wonder why. Unless, well, you, you might wonder something practical. You might wonder why I can't run that faster. Mm, I don't think so. No? If you didn't wonder why, I don't think you would wonder why you couldn't do that. You think it's a type of uh, wonderers? Yeah. That there's, there's wonders and wonderers not. I do. I think, hmm. uh, I think, um, I think we're the wonderers. Dude, hmm. We're wondering. I wonder, I mean, I wonder, mm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's. Go on. I wonder if it is. See now, now I think, and this is part of wondering why is you branch off in a per, kind of uh, personal mind map in all the different directions. This is one right. of the one of the, one of the complications of being a wonderer. Why is like is it a shocking incuriosity of that particular uh, pie slice of humanity? I don't know if it's that. No, I don't think so. Could be certainly your pipes and your wires. You know, like you and me, we got pipes and wires that are doing all kinds of stuff, making the mind maps yeah. but could it be that you've been acculturated trained uh, uh, that you you have been habituated to did you used to wonder why maybe and now you don't wonder why right. and that has made all the difference right what why do people stop wondering do they stop wondering i wonder why that yes, is. you do yes you do well yes. <clears throat> so i think that what you get is like in our culture right now there's a lot of i wonder why things are the way they are. I wonder... I wonder why for, things aren't the way I think they should be. Right. Well, and this is... There are a lot of people in our in our circles who mm-hmm. think about justice, who wonder... Well, not necessarily. There are people mm-hmm. that think about justice that don't wonder why. Mm-hmm. They know. But there are some people oh. that think, why is there injustice? Mm-hmm. I wonder why mm-hmm. there isn't more. I wonder why not everyone sees this justice thing the way that I do, as opposed to not wondering why, knowing mm-hmm. why, knowing why somebody doesn't. Uh, and feeling, feeling that is like a kind of uh, like existential certainty almost. Well, sure, of course, because it's like, why doesn't this person share my beliefs? Because they're uh, because they're a bad person, right? So is, they, is they no the longer typical. wonder why about that because that has been established. That's if established. There is they're wondering, say again, they're a bad person. I okay. can, I have I have evidence for it, so I don't wonder why. Okay. They just I just know what they are. Whereas some of us are like, I wonder why. Hmm. I wonder why. Wonder why. 
And so you've got all the people in the world that aren't wondering why they're just knowing, they're just knowing how things are. And then there, there are, there's a smaller group, a much smaller group. That's like, I wonder why I wonder, I wonder why. You do it long and, uh, enough and you, and you do, you get into a real broken liberal arts states where, where you go, huh, I wonder why I think like that. Or I wonder, I wonder why, why I, I wonder I why like I see like that. You were just doing that a second ago. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, mm-hmm. I, so I wonder if also. Uh, yes. But I, you were saying, I wonder if. You can't really I, wonder if until you wonder why. When you wonder right. why a little bit, you start getting to a little bit of I wonder if. And wonder guess what? Sometimes you turn that laser beam back at yourself. You just you were just saying, I wonder if, I wonder why, mm-hmm. because I've been acculturated to wonder why, rather than that be, that wondering why is a thing. Oh, now, now, that's I'm, a, now I'm wondering whether. Well, you're wondering whether. You mm-hmm. wondered if, and yeah. then you end up wondering whether. Well, and so that's the thing. That's where we are. But there yeah. are a lot of other people that are on that treadmill because they know why. And they and and we would look at them and say, well, we you think you know why, but what if... You know, mm-hmm. I wonder if you think you know why, because you don't, it's not in your nature to wonder why, mm-hmm. uh, you get information and then you know why and, uh, and across the board, cause I see it all the time. I'm like, how do you not wonder more mm-hmm. about why? And, and then the, and the response is, I don't have to wonder mm-hmm. because here's, here's, here's why. And now, and now here's me wondering how, Right. Cause a little bit, a little bit. Like yeah, I wonder, yeah. wonder how. I wonder how we wow. differ on that. I wonder how they they got to um, to that level. Well, uh, also, like you wonder how. I wonder how mm-hmm. they. Yeah, exactly. How did you get uh, enough proof that you no longer wonder why? But the thing is, I don't think they ever wondered why. They never they, wonder why. No, because and maybe wonder, it is acculturation, or maybe okay. it is. Yeah, maybe it maybe is. Maybe it wasn't encouraged. I, I wonder. I wonder when they were never uh, encouraged. To wonder why I wonder. I wonder when one gets what's needed to want to wonder why, or to have no other option than to wonder why. Well, I think people are discouraged mm-hmm. from wondering. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the thing about proofs. Oh. If if you go to a place where mm-hmm. they say, "Here's why," so here's the thing, and here's why, yep, 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 and yep, you yep, go, yep. Mm-hmm, "Okay," and then you, they go on to the next subject, and they're like, "Here's another thing. Here's why." Okay. Then no one ever. It's not that you're discouraged. It's that you're. Or I mean, sorry. It's not that you're encouraged. It's that you're discouraged from ever asking why. We already have an answer for that. Let's move on to now. Just memorize this, and we'll move on to the next thing, maybe. Right. Whereas some of uh, some of us are, I don't know, lucky or maybe in, <laughs> instinct. Because I think in my school, I was much more also being fed the here's why's. But I was like, I wonder. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that. Maybe that came from uh, around the around the dining room table at night, where uh, where people said, "Well, here's the thing, and here's the opposite thing. What do you think?" And I was like, Ooh, "I wonder what they want." Right. I wonder what I'm supposed to think here, and they're like, "Aha!" You you ate dinner with, uh, if I if I could say, uh, it sounds to me like you would dine from time to time with, with a couple people who uh, were pretty sharp in, in well, thinking about how 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 the world fits together. And Mm -hmm. they probably had their reckons, but I, you know, I mean, I think about uh, the comedian John Mulaney and talking about having two parents that were lawyers and how that would kind of uh, affect their their dining room conversations. He makes a funny bit out of it, but there are certain kinds of people that like it isn't necessarily that you uh, you want to throw a ball or teach them how how to make a soapbox derby. You want you want to sharpen them like a knife at dinner and maybe give them an eating eating disorder. But but Mm -hmm. at dinner you're going to ask some difficult questions. Yeah, or just uh, uh, just even at dinner, or in the course of a day, where well, they, they you say, just might like, not suffer your bullshit. That could be part of dinner. They don't suffer it, but they also say things like, "Why'd you do that?" Mm-hmm. They're wondering why, and they don't say that's against our rules. Don't do that. Oh, they would say, doctor, yes. They, they would say, "Why did you? Why did you choose to do that?" And then, in the course of watching you squirm mm-hmm. on the end of your fishing line, yep. they would eventually get to. Uh, the behavior that they were hoping you would do. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the meantime, you had to make it, you had to walk through the minefield of trying to explain why, mm-hmm. while they wondered. And mm-hmm. even they were wondering why, even though they knew the answer, they still were wondering. They could they probably, were wondering, an, they could anticipate that there's an answer you don't want to give. Cause let's be honest, little kids don't always know why they do anything apart mm. from the, I think sometimes, I think sometimes there's just the baser instincts of like, I just wanted the chocolate. That's the reason I did it. 
I did mm-hmm. it because I wanted the the chocolate. Seems uh, pretty simple. Right, right, right. And and the, but then you get a little bit older. You know, that's how humans are, John. I think I think a lot of humans will find a reason why they did what they did. I think there's maybe even some science about this. But, Wait but, a minute. But what? Go ahead. Oh no. Oh, this is a thing. This is a thing. We most of us do things and then later on figure out why we did it. I think that's science. Now I, I wonder if I got that right. Well, you know, my daughter, the uh, <clears throat> my daughter has been introduced recently to grammar. And of course, I've always tried to speak to her using uh, correct grammar because the, the, I try to English. Mm-hmm. I try to use it in the in in the course of my own life. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm often um, humorously flamed on the internet for mispronouncing words and mm-hmm. and let's be honest, making up words. Yeah. Uh, but that's not. I mean, aren't all uh, words made up? Let's be honest. Thank you, Merlin. It's thank not, you. I mean, come on. What do you? Words are just do? combinations of other words from other languages that somebody made up at one they point. All, they all came from somewhere. Let, what, what are you going to do? Mar- marry a dictionary? Let John talk. <laughs> Let the thank man you. talk. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Anyway, uh, but but <laughs> grammar is important to me. I you know I believe that you should. Grammar uh, is meaningful. I, it's spackle it for meaningful. words. That's right. You're not going to so build a wall until you got some mortar in there. She's got the idea now of it, where we never talked about it before uh, as a thing. We just said, here are the ways that you could talk. Here's an example of a way you could say this sentence, mm-hmm. but, the, but the correct grammar would be this way. And she's, in, you know, she's inputting it, but now she's, at a, now she's at a school where they say, hey, let's talk, let's talk about grammar. So we're on the way to school today, <clears throat> and uh, she, she tries this out. We're just driving along, and she says, I like to correct people's grammar, but uh, I try to have it be younger pe- people younger than me, like say, for instance, six and below. Okay. <laughs> and then she lets that sit in the car. She's a merciful pedant. <laughs> she says, she says, I like to, and what she's testing out, I think, is uh, she's hoping that I'm going to say, oh no, correcting other people's grammar is amazing, super fun, but also really good for them. So yeah, you absolutely should not. Don't confine it to four-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Just jump into any conversation where you hear something go down, either where they have made a mistake or where you think they've made a mistake. Reg- regardless and you're wrong. or irregardless, irregardless, mm, irregardless of whether their message was received in a way that you could parse and understand. That's feel right. free to stop the conversation at any point to, to to point out that even though you understood what they were saying, they they said it wrong technically. That's right. If they don't have no grammar, that's a, also that's a, you make so many friends that way. Yeah, if me and I, or if you, you and uh, I don't mm-hmm. have uh, grammar, or you and me don't have grammar, mm-hmm. uh, it's really hard. It's important to just jump right in. Mm-hmm. And she was hoping I would say that, but instead, you know, a pause went by, and I said, "Well, <clears throat> the <laughs> way people, why? <laughs> the way people talk, <laughs> is very personal. It's very personal to them, and it's, uh, it's, I think, generally, a." Uh, uh, not our place to to correct other people, not only in grammar, but also in manners. Mm-hmm. Um, when other people are mm-hmm. doing their lives, mm-hmm. we are just responsible for managing our own words and behavior. And if somebody else is using the fork with the wrong hand, or if somebody else doesn't send you a thank you note, it it does not it's not our place to correct them and also it doesn't obviate the need for us to continue to obey those rules mm-hmm. well she has as you know uh, having raised a daughter a little older than mine that mm-hmm. she has an innate sense of justice that oh. that does not quite line up with mm. right mm-hmm. because if they didn't send a card why should we and if oh. they use if they use bad language or uh, bad grammar or uh, bad behavior, why are we over here uh, having to do it? It he, seems he, unfair. He got he got ice cream. Well, sure, he got he, ice cream and he was rude. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, by the time I dropped her off at school, we had uh, it was uh, inconclusive. She was considering the possibility that maybe correcting five and six year olds was not her job, but I don't think she had, I don't think she bought entirely into my argument. So it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing process, but, but of course I'm constantly wondering why, in addition to saying things like we don't mind other people's manners, I feel like I have a pretty good idea why she wants to, because she wants to be boss of the world. (laughs) 
Was she, le- was she leaning in? Uh, yeah, well, you Is know, she, she every, every morning she goes, shick. <laughs> and I go, put the little knives back. Put uh-huh. the little knives back. We're not going to, we're not going to need those on the way to school today. Let's, let's, or, or at school at all. Really. You don't need your fist blades. Mm-hmm. Um, you can keep those in. You want to know, know the sound they make when they go back in? What? Snacked. Oh, snacked. <laughs> So they go, they, they go snicked when they yeah. come out and yeah, yeah, snacked yeah. when snacked. they go back. Yeah. 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 Ow. You know, going, going out feels like, oh, it cuts the skin every time, but, but going back in feels like it would really hurt. Oh, right. You're like hundred percent. Like well, imagine uh, if in the middle of one of those rah, 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 kind of fights, maybe you got a little bit of inflammation in your arm, right? Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like you get a little bit older, you get inflammation. And then, the, and then it's got to find, oh, it's got to find a place back in there. No, thank oh, you. Knife has to go back in. I always thought going out would be the painful thing, but now I'm really realizing snacked mm-hmm. is basically the sound of it going back into your bones, in yeah. between your bones where it's like, ow. They did a number on that guy. Ooh, oh. you know, I'm going to cover this on my Wilberforce podcast. Right. Right. Um, is there, is there enough Wilberforce knowledge mm-hmm. and theory and wondering why? To make a multi-episode podcast, hundred percent, absolutely. You could you could do a limited series on Wilberforce. You could you could easily do episodes just on like the evolution of his uh, of his uh, powers. Because when they first made Wilberforce, those yeah. things came out of like a glove attachment. Also, he's Canadian. What? He's Canadian. He's totes Canadian. Yeah. Whoa! Why is he so mad? I don't. Well, you know they did some stuff to him, at least in the oh, in, in the retcon. They, they made his bones out of adamantium. Well, wow! Wow! Mm. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what you got to look forward to uh, mm. in your future walks. Uh, there's a there's a moment uh, when, for a variety of reasons, um, Arya Stark is uh, and the stable boy are are, are like uh, they're just hanging out, and then and then and then and then uh, Sansa. And uh, and Joffrey show up, and Joffrey's all like, uh, "Okay, you think you're tough? You're, you you want to fight me?" And they're Joffrey. like, "Oh no, oh no, Joffrey!" And he's like, "No, no, I'm just the stable boy. I don't want no trouble, right?" Wait, he's a, he's a Baratheon though. Well, he, he's going to hurt the. He, is he what stable boy? I thought he was just a helper boy. Oh no, no, no! Stable boy uh, is uh, isn't he Rob? Isn't he Robert Baratheon's? No, uh, no, no, uh, no, no, not that guy. Not Gendry. This is a oh, different. Oh, this oh, is a, oh, not oh. not a blacksmith. This is a stable boy. Oh, so, stable, stable. And so, 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 so then Joffrey says, you think you're tough? He takes, he takes out his sword, and he yeah. wants to start fighting the boy, and the boy is just a helper boy, and Arya said, has like basically made the boy come play. Now, understand, Sansa thinks she's on a super important date with Joffrey that's going to have implications in the future, and Joffrey comes in, he's going to be all hard with the boy. Rawr. He's going to, and the boy's like, no, please, 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 don't hurt me. Arya dives in to say, no, don't hurt him. Right. Joffrey goes to defend himself and cast her away. And guess what? Boom! Oh. Nymeria shows up and Nymeria. puts a hurtin' on Joffrey's arm so fucking bad that Joffrey lies on the ground and rolls around and goes, ah, 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 ah. And you know what there are from that? There are implications. There are implications of that incident that are played out. And I consider it to be, arguably, the second most important series of events next to Littlefinger and the Dagger that, that is going to lead to the future and that's what my daughter and i talked about for 10 minutes on the way to school today now she has the importance been, uh, of the has, nymeria attack she's been witness to uh, the all of the games of thrones no that's why i'm there to walk her through this that's after i explained last night's episode over 45 minutes we're not going to talk oh, so about she, that on the program she hasn't seen them you're she just explaining seen them but she's seen videos she's read things she has dolls yeah we looked at which map of westeros and ss we want to maybe potentially get for the house sure sure this is what you have to look forward to it's not always going to be about grammar sometimes Mm, you can talk about the impact of nymeria you know we watched uh bugsy malone oh really that's so hard to find well, we watched it, and um, and she had some questions about Bugsy Malone. Uh, she was, <laughs> uh, she she. I mean, she had a lot of penetrating questions. She wondered why quite a few different things. <laughs> There's so much to wonder why with that movie. Well, and I, you oh know, oh my I god, have, it's such a weird movie. 
I have many, many, many years. I have decades of a pouring over Bugsy Malone. Oh my God. Yes. In order to come up with some theories about how and why. <laughs> yes. And, and, uh, and so, you know, she was asking the right guy. It's, it's almost like asking you what you think about Hitler. Like what yeah, an what, opportunity she's given you. Dad, do you have any opinions about Hitler? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> we could have been anything that we wanted to be. What a weird movie.